So we got uh, uh, Doug. So yeah, why don't you just give us a, a quick bio with Doug? And yeah, yeah, for sure. So I guess uh, where it all started for me, I, I was actually in Department of Defence, working in one of those agencies um, for nearly ten years, actually. Um, and I met my wife in there, and we were posted to the US at one point. Her posting, and it gave me the opportunity to work in a uh, in, in the private sector, I guess. And when I went over there, I came up with this idea of this wonderful thing called a cybersecurity consulting firm. Uh, when we returned at those, after three years in the US, we I started a company called Stratsec, and um, it really yeah went went amazingly well. We ended up winning Tulsa Business of the Year in uh, 2010, I think it was. Um, and the next year, we sold that company to BAE Systems. Um, and that was all done here from uh, from Canberra, actually. Um, it was so you born and bred Canberra? Born and bred Canberra, yeah. Went to school and everything here. And it was, yeah, an amazing ride, actually. It was a very cool ride. And, and before that, are you an engineer by training? I, I, I was. I was actually an electronics engineer. Uh, so it was an associate diploma. I didn't do a full degree. Uh, I did that at Canberra Institute of Technology. Yeah. And it kind of gave me the foundation, but then I guess the next steps from there, I, as I got into working in one of those agencies in defence, I, I could see the power of the computer and everything that was happening, so I actually switched gears and, and took on uh, an IT kind of role in there. Um, I actually had to go back to go forward. Um, I took a, a pay cut to, to get into that stream. Right. And then, um, yeah, I kind of worked my way up and through that. And then I, I actually took three years off when my wife was posted overseas and I uh, worked in various kind of startups. It was right at the, the dot-com boom over so there. So what, 2000? Yeah, it was. So we right. went 1998, uh, come back. Um, September 11 happened and we were back a month after that, wow. actually. So That must have been an exciting time over there. It was pretty that awesome. Then? It was. And so and were you involved in, in that? Yeah, so I was. I saw it was. Uh, I got a pretty cool story. Actually, it was a company called Zephyr at the time. I, I, I was involved. I worked in three different jobs actually, and, and had that luxury because uh, we we're on, um, you know, overseas living allowance and the like. Right. But uh, I got got to be in a company called Zephyr at that time. It was a Harvard MBA graduates that uh, when they come out of the MBA, they have to have a business plan. Um, and they have a competition as part of that, and these guys won that year. And they started with, you know, two or three guys and, and got something like, I think it was $110 million in first-round funding, you know. Wow. And so it was the biggest at that time, right? So ridiculous amount of money. Um, and they just, it was an awesome company, actually, what they were doing is taking the internet to inter- enterprises, e-commerce and B2B and everything like that. Um, and as part of their experience what they decided that um, they would differentiate themselves by having a security team on board and so we were in Maryland and they had a pod of security specialists and flew us all over America and to be part of these uh, teams so it was pretty cool. And were you actually, I mean what, what was the yeah. essence of the role? I mean was it commercial? I mean were you involved in selling? And No I, I was a security consultant basically so right. I'd come in and, and look at um, you know I guess uh, architectures and the like that the consultants were putting together and, and put the security kind of angle on it and, yeah. uh, and give it that stamp of approval and, and also all, everything to pen testing as well you know doing certain right. testing and the like. Um, so what happened? Did it just run out of yeah. cash because they spent too much? Well, no, they were told to go and spend, spend, and they did. Uh, and it was amazing. They had these 
fantastic uh, headquarters in Boston, and I loved it. I'd fly up there, and it was just out of control, really. And they were spending money and uh, hand over fist, and they were told to do that, and they were going to go IPO. Um, I, forget, I forget the exact dates, but um, at the time we had two competitors that had already IPO'd, Scient and Viant, and they um, they were trading at something like $120 a share in around that. And the, the mail was that we were going to go better because we had a better offering. And, and so um, they were predicting we were going to be about $140, $150 a share, yeah. um, which would have made me one of the lowest paid people in the company a millionaire a few times over. Um, and so it was, <laughs> it was quite funny. But then... Um, I forget the exact circumstances, but like the week before we were about to um, IPO, um, Yahoo, I think it was Yahoo, um, put out some bad results and right. it was the beginning of the, the burst of the bubble. And so... Uh, it was a pretty remarkable time. It was amazing. And, and how quickly it just went from hero to zero like that was... Yeah. yeah, yeah so, uh, and so what was your key lesson that you took away from that? Don't count, count the money before it's in, yeah. in your bank account. There's, no, there's nothing quite as illiquid as shares in a private business. Uh, and, and that's it. And options and the like um, are, are all good and they're, they're great, but never, ever counted as, as money. And, and I definitely worked with... Um, there were two or three people, and I got out. And I got out at that time when it all started to, to turn bad. I had a really good opportunity at SAIC, so I took it. Um, but a lot of the guys hung on, uh, and then they went two or three different times and eventually tried to reverse IPO. And um, it was, yeah, anyway, it was not just chap- chapter 11, it was chapter 7 bankruptcy and, yeah. and all gone. But yeah, the biggest thing was a lot of people were even buying cars off the back of that we're going to go IPO and have right. these. So I think that was the biggest lesson. Um, okay, so you moved back to Canberra after that, and uh, I mean, how did you end up uh, starting your own business then? Yeah, so I had the idea when I moved to SAIC, I got really involved in some some more traditional engineering and and thinking about security and cybersecurity in a different way. And one of the lessons, the other lessons I did learn at Zephyr was that. Um, I was working with a bunch of strategy consultants, so they're out of McKinsey or they've been brought over from McKinsey or Cambridge Partners and Harvard people themselves. And I was there as a, uh, as I guess a, a security consultant, but I was turned up with these strategy consultants, and I just had this idea that you know there was so much scaremongering around about what we did in the cybersecurity world, and that was the way you sold it, that, you know, everybody's going to die because somebody's going to hack into your system. <laughs> so I had this idea at that point that why not marry um, strategy and, you know, a real treating security in cybersecurity as a true business problem, which really hadn't been done as yet. It was all kind of, you know, come in and pen test and do all those things. And... So what, what I did is I came up with the name Stratzer for right. you know, Strat- Strategy Security and um, I registered the domain name the, the week before we, we came back um, to, to Australia and I kind of started the, the company but I was still working. I came back and actually went back into Department of Defence and was running okay. a program in there for them. So I was kind of doing both uh, at the one time. And, um, and So did then, you see my slide about taking a job in the side to fund your startup is that what you did yeah it was absolutely that i had i was 100 percent focused on stratsec and what was going to happen there um but at the same time i knew that the role that i'd come into into defense was a senior role running an international program uh, would also give me the credibility that i probably needed in the market um as well to be able to make stratsec a reality okay. so um 
So I want to make sure we get on to uh, Insta Cluster. So, I mean, just in terms of that exit, I mean, you, you said you sold the business. I mean, what was that process like? Was it a clean sale? Were you able to walk yeah. away? Yeah, it was. So we uh, we didn't necessarily have handcuffs. They were brilliant, actually, BAE Systems. Um, you know, they cop a lot of flack in the media and, and the like for many different reasons. Um, but the people we dealt with in Australia and the process... Uh, they were fantastic to us. Um, they, they really were. Um, we we're very happy with the exit process. We did it in a um, did it in a bit of a unique way because we had um, a fair amount of exposure, and we actually had a lot of different companies coming to us asking for to acquire us. So we got to a position where we had three genuine contenders, and so. What we did is we took money off the table. We turned around and said, this is what we're thinking about. Um, and the three, we got them all to say, yep, that's that's a fair and reasonable price on all the models that we've done. So then we kind of did it reverse. We actually then asked them to present to us as to why sell to them. Um, and I know we were in a unique position, which is, you know, I, I don't discount. But what that allowed us to do is to hear the strategy of how we would be taken into that entity because we were selling for for the right reasons we to go that next step we needed to to go there and we needed to have a big backer like that and um so it was a very cool process due diligence was tough um, yeah. but but with the one thing I, w- I would say that that also taught me was um is never compromise so don't you, you know like afterwards we were then involved in helping due diligence for BA, BAE on other companies and the one thing that we did, and I think we were, we were successful in many ways, and at the Telstra Business Awards and the like, was because we never actually compromised underneath it. There was always the, the financials were the financials. There weren't silly little deals that would, right. would compromise it, and we always did the right thing. And that meant that actually the due diligence process was relatively straightforward, even though they had, you know, you know well, maybe not 100, but 20 or 30 people working on it at any one time. Yeah. So that that was, and we got through that. But again, I, I saw one or two companies after that where BAE had to walk away from the deal. Yeah. Um, so, and, and what, what year was this? Now it's two thousand and eleven. Yeah. Okay, so two thousand and eleven, you get handed a check by BAE, Happy Days, and you basically, what was your plan at that point? Um, so I, I wanted to stay because we did it for the right reason again. So they and again BAE didn't say use a handcuff and earn out period, all those kind of things. Actually, what they did is they said, you know what, we need to make this place uh, good for um, for these guys, so the owners and founders, to to stay on. And uh, and Pete and I and Nick, there was three owners at the time. We. Um, we kind of made a pact that we would see it through, and the big thing for us was about transferring that value. They paid a certain amount. What we didn't want to do is then walk away from it yep. because our reputation in the industry, our reputation in the community, I think it's, it goes far beyond money. Yep. And so we did that. We stayed. I ended up staying for the longest out of the three by another six months. Um, it was I left last year in, in June, July. So, okay. Um, right, so you basically spent two years then? Two and a bit, yeah. Two and a bit. Yeah. All right, so and how tell us about InstaCluster then. So you mentioned that you, you teamed up with your nephew. So, yeah, like, just tell us the, 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 the story there. Well, I think, I think you know, once we did get a bit of money, Pete and I, yeah, um, I guess, you know, then you think, oh, you might be a bit of a VC yourself, right? So, <laughs> uh, so that's what happened. But Ben... Had been so working. were you looking for deals? 
No, no, right. no, no. We so you were sitting there <laughs> thinking you might, but you weren't looking. Well, it wasn't necessarily that. It really was that Ben came to us. So the Ben, the the, the nephew, the boy Marriage that I talked about, he's their CTO and has now moved to to uh, San Francisco to, yeah. to to help with you know growing our business over there. He. Um, he worked at Stratsec, so okay. we hired him as a young fella straight out of school, actually, and he was studying at the same time, intelligent, very intelligent, very good young operator. And, you know, I'm a great friend of his besides yeah. everything else and uh, really loved him and just the, his, his hard work but his ability to relate to people and yeah. also still be technically quite brilliant. And um, he approached uh, Pete and I... He took some time off, and I thought, that's a bit weird. He took three months. Oh, I've got to go back and finish uni, but he didn't. He was working on an idea, and uh, and so he come back, and um, he, he we went for a beer with him, Pete and I, and he kind of pitched the idea of what, what Instacluster was, or a precursor to Instacluster. And so Pete and I put in some funds, started the company, went four ways with... Uh, he, he brought another one of his mates from school on, Adam, and... Um, yeah, we, we started from there. So, so it was basically funded as an idea in a bar. Exactly. Okay. That's exactly what it was. And uh, <laughs> and so and it wasn't even the original idea. What, what happened is they decided it was going to be a data marketplace. So having a, and I still think this is a great idea, by the way, <laughs> um, and this was what we sold us originally, was um, having... You know, one of the big problems we're seeing with this explosion in in data and data types and data interfacing was having a a layer that simply is a marketplace, which is a very common way of interfacing to all different types of data sets and doing it that way. And so, but having a very common interface for the application um, middle layer to to kind of communicate yeah. with it and. We got all the way and had a working prototype, but they decided they actually needed something to store it um, in a you know, much better way than yeah. SQL technology. And they come up with um, Cassandra as being the, the new and, and next best thing. And then as they got into it, they were looking for a managed service uh, around the Cassandra NoSQL database. And there wasn't one. So then we said, well, let's pivot a little bit because this idea might be, you know, take some time to educate the market, whereas there's a real need for this yeah. capability. And so, so maybe for us non techies in the room, like, yep. talk to us about Cassandra and non SQL yeah. database. Yeah. yeah, it's an amazing technology uh, that I can't, yeah, I, I guess uh, you can really see how it, uh, how it evolved. It was, um, it was first started out of Facebook. So Facebook got to the point where they said, you know what, we're not going to spend $60,000 per node or, or per CPU license for, for an Oracle database. And, you know, you can imagine their licensing costs for something like Facebook. So they said, there's got to be a better way. We've got to come up with something. By the way, it doesn't scale uh, um, the, the way that we needed to. It's got to be always on. Uh, high availability is obviously key. So we've got to find a, a, a better way. So they came up with a technology that is, you know, you know, instead of bigger, bigger databases to put your data on, um, adding just a, a regular commodity server. And uh, as you get more data, add another server. And that server being able to, you know, just grow continually. I mean, we call it limitless scale. Um, Netflix, you know, one of AWS's probably best, one yeah. biggest and best. Um, you know, they, they talk about it. There's an interesting... Um, um, 
kind of uh, interview with one of the engineers talking about, you know, that the only thing that stops us in growing more is AWS being able to give us more nodes, you know, <laughs> and, that, and that's because Cassandra has that ability to add a node, just add an instance and grow the data. So it was a Facebook invention? It was, So yeah. how, how did they commercialise it? And well, they didn't. So what they right. did is they were looking for um, this this technology was there and then they decided, okay, this is pretty awesome, we've got something very cool here, it is what we want, but there's no community behind it. Um, at that time, HBase had come out, which is another NoSQL type technology, and they use the no, term NoSQL because it is, um, I guess, the opposite to, to the SQL technologies, and so there's a few of these, MongoDB, HBase, um, and a few others that are emerging, and Cassandra is one of those. And at the time, I believe that um, the story is that they thought, well, actually, we need a community around this, um, we're the only ones who know this technology, we've built it. So um, HBase had come along and they said, well, actually, that has a community. Let's use that. It's an open source technology. Let's use that. And then they actually, in, in return, turned over the, um, the Cassandra technology to the open source as well. And so then, you know, companies like Datastax have taken that and commercialised yeah. it, um, but there's a lot of people using the open source version of, of that technology. So, yeah. That's pretty good of them. I mean, is that surprise you, like in hindsight, that they would do something like that? Yeah, I, th- I think I guess it was part of the... You know, I, I don't know the story, you know, the, I guess this is kind of second or third hand, but right. I, I'm guessing the, the reason is it's because they're taking up a, an open source, so the right thing to do is to contribute back to that community and yeah. it only makes it stronger, you know. There's so many good reasons to do that, I think. You know. so, so, again, jumping back, so the, the bar... Here's your check. Let's go and start the business. I mean, how did you get from that point to the initial product market fit? So, what did you build, and who who were you going to sell it to? Yeah. So the idea was we want to be on AWS ourselves, and we always everything we did we started there. And so we thought, well, actually, there's a lot of startups like us out there do, trying to do this, have the same problem that we have. Um, so let's make it a managed cloud solution, and, and it really is a managed database solution where we fully fully manage service. You know, where and this we, is relatively recent. I mean, this is last year. I mean, what, what yeah, so we, we started in. So we we had a prototype working in about June, July last year, yeah. um, and then that was when we had convinced ourselves we had a few people, um, early customers on the platform. Canva was one of them. Yeah, I think that's uh, when we first met you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. 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 So they were the, they were there, but it was very early days for us, and we. Did didn't have the support team and the platform was was not stable enough at that time but then um that was at that period where we were actually people are willing to 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 pay and some of the companies that we'd actually heard about then actually this probably has some legs and at that time pete and i decided we would quit our day jobs and get involved and the, f- the first step from there was uh, chasing funding so you know we knocked on the doors of quite a few people we, we could have Pete and I could have put some more money in but we felt that it needed to go that next yeah. next step and, and you took some local Canberra money is that right yeah ne- nearly all of it so uh, ANU Connect Ventures I guess um, with also ACVL which is a partnership between Highmarsh Group and Canberra um, ACT government yeah um, they were the two major investors behind investors behind us, um, and they've been very good to us. You know, very supportive and sit on the board and, and guide us along. Um, but there was also a range of um, local angels as well. So they formed a syndicate with um, both Capital Angels, you know, and also Sydney Angels as well, right. and the Sydney Angels Sidecar Fund as well have, have also. Um, 
matched what, yeah. what the Sydney Angels put in. So, so and on all up, how, how big was that round? It was uh, about two, almost 2.2. Okay. Yeah, and um, which is, yeah, has been great and really kicked us into gear. As, as I was saying earlier, we're now at 17 people. We've yep. grown very quickly. We've... Um, the um, uptake of our customers and capability has, has been quite um, quite awesome and a little yeah. bit overwhelming, but uh, uh, we've now got the support staff, the engineers, to, yeah. to deal with that. And uh, so, I mean, without you know, you don't have to uh, dig into the, any of the metrics you don't want to discuss. But I mean, what are the metrics that that you care about? I mean, is it revenue? Is it customers? Is it usage? Yeah, it's it, it, yeah. It's funny. We're, we're still trying to work a little bit of it out because we're different. Like there's the, there's definitely SaaS models that uh, that work for us. You know, MMR, MRR, um, and th- those kind of stats. And you know. Um, and churn ratio and all of that is important. Churn ratio is a good, important indicator for us. So churn being customers coming off the platform. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, and and you know the stickiness of what we do. So we, we definitely monitor that. Um, we nodes under management is something we were, um, you know, watching. But there's you know sometimes what we also do is we end up. Um, you know, swapping out for a, a bigger node. You know, and so our node numbers go down. So we're looking at you know. Gigabytes under management is, is another another metric that we look at, um, but but definitely the investors when we first sat down and talked about the business and what were we going to the the money is tranched. So, what are the key things we're going to kind of measure you guys on? So we, we came up with some some numbers and we thought you know we thought the SaaS kind of thing of trying to get to uh, one million ARR within the twelve months is, ARR sorry annual re- recurring revenue yep. and um, getting to that point um, is something that we thought is probably not a bad indicator so yeah our tranches are pretty much aligned with that and it is revenue um, but of course we've got there is a cogs under, you know cost of goods sold with AWS yep. underneath that we have to look for and making sure that we have margins there and so we're also cognizant of that as well yes and okay so uh, i mean you're kind of a year from having kicked off and you've got pretty amazing growth story there i mean what's next what does the next 24 36 months look like yeah so um we're out for a series a now um so now that we've hit some metrics where um you know our our cash flow is looking uh you know we're we're in great shape. We've extended it probably further than we thought. So we'll probably, um, uh, you know, by September this year, we will be in the position of, of uh, a Series A, and we're having those discussions now. Yeah. Um, just, just on a side note, like, how did you define what you did before versus a Series A? Uh, so, so we call the, the the last one a seed round, I guess. Right. You know, two million, and this Series A is two million. Some people would class as Series A. I mean, is, is it semantics, or have you got a hard definition on it? No, no, it is semantics, and it depends who you're talking to, especially in the valley. Like right. it changes, you know. I think, uh, but yeah, yeah. The, the the mail that we've got with our lawyers at the moment is that anywhere from six to eight is is the next raise. You know right. what typically happens, and they're calling it a Series A. Right. There? So we're just running with that terminology. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I mean, my definition tends to be it's the first serious institutional round. Yeah. Um, you know, so I'd probably argue that this is more like a Series B, but like it, it ultimately it doesn't matter. It doesn't. Like what matter, you need yeah. to grow is is extra capital, yeah. and yeah, yes, you might have a bigger, scarier team of lawyers on the other side, and you know, generally the higher the letter, the scarier the lawyers. Yep. Um, so 
any insights around that process? I mean, what was one thing I talked about? It's just how brutal and hard it is. I mean, what's your observation of the money raising process? Uh, it can't. Yeah, it is. It's very different for me, especially like it was, we we grew Stratsec very organically, right? We did, we didn't take any any funding, um, and so it is brutal. It's absolutely brutal. Uh, and and I I was talking to a guy. One of our clients yesterday, who's successfully raised a Series A and just tried to, to you know, pick his brains a little bit, um, and yeah, he, he said, you know, you might have to talk to seventy people before yeah. somebody gets it. Um, and he said, but what you do is, and it can be brutal, it can be very deflating. You know, I've definitely got off uh, some some calls in the last few months, and I've just. Uh, yeah, deflated, and um, because they, you know, some VCs take it in a very, um, you know, they ha- have a view, and they're not going to be shaken from that view. So, so I talking to one of my customers yesterday, and we were just talking. He said so. He feels that within, he, he bunches it up in groups of five. He's also out fundraising in the month and um, capital raising on I mean. it, and he. Um, he was calling them tranches himself, but he bundles them up into five, goes and talks to five, and then tries to learn from those ones. And, and he said, you know, what I thought was really interesting, he said, I generally know if they are interested within the first two to three minutes. He said, so if I get the feeling that they're not, what I do is I become, I, I just try to suck as much information out of them as possible why why is any, what are they looking for, what are the key metrics or what do they want to hear from me and I thought that's a really great way to approach it is you know continually learn and then you will get to that point like sometimes you might hit it in the first five because it yeah. is so compelling and you've hit, nailed your pitch but I know for sure that um, after discussing with him my pitch has been too much about the past or, or what we've been doing yeah. and not about the vision that I've got to sell for the future yeah. and that's what they, they really want to hear. Um, and is it fair to say that the money's going to come from the US or are you no, no, open it, to? Yeah, right. de- definitely. We're in some really good discussions here with local VCs and to be honest, I, um, yeah, I, I'd, I'd love to be able to, to raise it from Australia. Um, Would a US VC force you to go and live there? Um, not necessarily, but we will have a US leader, so right. that and that may not be me. So that, you right. know, but one thing that we're definitely looking at at the moment is the roles and responsibilities. What's the best thing for the company? Um, but, you know, I did discuss with my wife that it could be us, but um, right. but the, the the fact is, if we do raise in the US, um, and, and even if we don't raise, if we do raise it here in Australia, we probably it is the right time to have a, a US based leader um, yeah. that is close to the customer. The fact is, that's where ninety percent of our customers are. Um, and so, and instead of San Francisco, would you have to move to the Canberra of California, Sacramento? <laughs> That'd be cool, wouldn't it? <laughs> uh, so, look, I mean, you know, maybe getting to the end of the questions, but I mean, the market's really good right now for for raising money. Yeah. Uh, but what if? I mean, like, so I mean, I've got a view that the the market is is not a bubble, but it's frothy. Uh, so if the world sort of collapses and the capital markets dry up, I mean, what, have you got a plan B, which is just to muscle through and, and, and make do with what you've got? Is, yeah, that, we, is that the way you think about it? Yeah, we definitely plan B and C. And, you know, you said definitely on one of your slides there about cash. And, um, you know, without that, you have no company. And um, so, yeah, there's there's not just a plan A, there's a plan B, C and D, I guess. Um, 
but you know we're definitely shooting for the plan A, and, and it looks very good f- for that. Um, but yeah, I, we're in a position, and our growth has been enough that you know we can sustain. And, and our investors, our current investors as well, have also talked about um, you know a, a lesser raise if we need yeah. to as well. And uh, so there's plenty of different options uh, yeah. that are on the table, and that's part of my job, I guess, and, and the job of the rest of the executive team is to, to really make sure that you know we, we are in a sound position and that we're not you know shooting 100% for one thing and that, that if that doesn't come off it's the, the death of the company yeah. so it's all about risk management right so okay well I'm just keeping my eye on the clock so I'll maybe ask you one more and then see if there's any questions from the floor I think we've got some lunch that we can tuck into um, so Canberra uh, in particular I mean they're you know I was surprised when you know I joined the role I didn't know much about the Canberra startup ecosystem I mean I love the fact that this place exists and it's there's a a sort of hub of activity here Uh, what's your observation you know maybe some advice for these guys here about Canberra specifically but you know the startup climate in Australia generally yeah so uh, I I can't couldn't be more impressed at the moment with Canberra and what's happened. Um, when we started Stratsec, this just wasn't available. And I think, you know, even towards the end of it, you were still, I guess, entry 29. All these kind of things were trying to come together and there was opportunities. But now I can see that there's definitely been a change and there's we've had a wealth of of opportunity thrown at us because of being in here and, and the people that are around the Canberra Innovation Network and the like. Um, so I've definitely seen that change, and it's probably been the last 12 months to 18 months where I've seen an amazing shift. Um, so I think the world is at everybody's feet here, and, and I think the other thing is everybody thinks that, you know, Canberra would be the other way, but we're not. We're so close to everything, and we get, it's so much easier. There's a lot of um, very influential people in and around this place that you can tap into. You have the government market at your doorstep as well, so... Um, yeah, I, I think it's an amazing, vibrant place at the moment. I've never quite seen anything like it, so I'm, I'm pretty Good. stoked about because it. Because you, you did work. I mean, I presume with 17 people you might have moved out here, but are you still here? Yeah, so what, what we're going to do is our, our strategy and part of our, our pitch um, uh, definitely is we're going to do all engineering and support here. So and they're all sitting there, you know, all, all 10 of them. Yeah. Right here in this building. Yep, okay. exactly. And cool. uh, oh, we've got two two guys. We've got one other in Sydney and another guy in Adelaide. Right. And you know, just good, good guys that we needed to get on board, and uh, they're located there. But we're going to try as much as possible that this is our hub for engineering and support. And um, we will have support in and, and do have in other parts of the world as well. You know, to cover the clock, but. Um, the main body will be here, you know, with the US dollar where it is. It's a cheaper cost base, but the other things we just don't have to compete yeah. like we, they do in the valley. And um, and I think it's great for the ecosystem to see yeah. someone like you being active, being here, growing, raising money, because it really is that you need your shining light examples. And yeah. I'm sure sometimes it feels that it's not as easy as everyone else thinks it is, but definitely not. Yeah, but no, it's, and it is, and like you know, one day that's a startup world, isn't it? You know, yeah. one day you're on top of it, and the next day you're at the bottom, and you think, "Hey, how the hell?" And it's normally in the same day, exactly, <laughs> an hour apart. You know, so. <laughs> and that, that it's a, and it is. I mean, it's all cliche, but it very much is a roller coaster. Um, but what we're starting to see is, you know, touch wood. Those 
you know, those dips yeah. a little bit less. Um, and, and especially as our platform is really stable and strong now and, and we have some real process around yeah. how we look after our people. That well, look, it's a remarkable story, like, for especially within a year of, of launching to have done what you've done. So, I mean, hats off from, from me, so congrats. Um, any questions for, for Doug? You're all sitting there. I mean, maybe, I don't know whether you're going to hang around. Yeah, I'll hang so around and some lunch. Maybe do that. So I know you've all been sitting there for patiently for an hour and a half, so thanks to most of you. So just in terms of the, the structure from now, let's grab some lunch. I've got a little talk I can do about um, the, the AWS program and how we're supporting some uh, you guys. Uh, and then one of my solutions architects is going to be here, so we're doing one-on-ones with a few of you uh, for the rest of the afternoon. So we are around all day. I'm happy to talk to any of you about your business or what you're trying to do. Uh, but thank you so much for coming. Thanks, Doug. Uh, it, was, it was really informative. So thanks, guys.